We're about one week away from Shark Week, but as it turns out, it's always Shark Week along the San Diego County coast. It's been a fact of life that these creatures live here, but now we're starting to learn more about the lifestyles of younger sharks, who until now have mostly gone unnoticed. The research not only deepens our understanding of these animals, but it may also be key in finding out ways to prevent shark attacks. For the San Diego Union Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Deborah Brennan, you cover a number of things at the San Diego Union Tribune, including marine life and marine biology. So why don't you give us some kind of background information? What was the science on great white sharks before this new research? Like, what are some misconceptions that people had kind of going into this? Well, um, I think the science behind it before this was really incomplete. And um, it's still a work in progress. Um Scientists don't know as much as they'd like to about great white sharks. Um, they know very little about their reproduction, even their life cycle. Um, they have estimates on their age and their um, their reproductive processes, but they're still trying to nail that down. Even even population numbers, the mo- one of the most basic pieces of data you can have about a wildlife species, is still imprecise. So they really don't know as much about this fearsome animal as they would like to and as they believe they should. So um, going into this, that was kind of, there was a big vacuum of information and they're trying to fill some of that. Mm-hmm. And your story focused on the Cal State Long Beach Shark Lab. Why don't you tell us about the organization and how they're researching sharks? Okay, um, that is an organization, uh, a lab set up at Cal State Long Beach. They have focused on various types of shark, sharks, but in this case, uh, they are looking very closely at white sharks to try to understand more about them, with, largely with the goal of keeping people safer. Um, I think you asked what some of the misconceptions are about sharks, and one of them has been that sharks prey on people. And based on the work of scientists who've been studying them for decades, um, their findings are that they really don't. Um, There are attacks, there are bites, and when they occur, they're catastrophic because these are very large, powerful predators. Um, But there's no evidence that they can cite that says that they look at humans as a food source. As one of the sources said, the, the lead researcher, Chris Lowe, we are not on their menu. But that's no consolation to somebody who is bitten by a shark. So they're trying to figure out what does precipitate a bite. Is it an accidental mistaken identity? The shark thinks that a surfboard or a surfer or swimmer is a marine mammal, which they do eat. Is it um, defensiveness? Are they frightened or do they fear that we're encroaching on their food supply on their hunting grounds? Um, Are they just startled and react instinctively. So they're trying to figure out what what causes that and what circumstances make it more likely so that we can better manage our beaches and keep people safe. Mm-hmm. And can you walk us through the kind of techniques that the Shark Lab uses in learning more about sharks? It sounds like they're really dependent on new technology that's, you know, this research may have not been possible 20 or 30 years ago. Yeah, they're using acoustic technology, um, and which is... Uh, not particularly new, but they're using it in new ways. Um, They are tagging the sharks, which means they have to find them, locate them, track them, 
and use basically a fishing spear to insert a small radio transmitter in the shark's flesh. Um, that shark will then swim around and send out signals of where it's at as it moves in the ocean. They capture that on buoys and download the data and then they use that for the research and they share it with lifeguards to let them know when and where the sharks are in relation to local beaches. Um, mm -hmm. So that's a lot of what they're doing. Um, they're looking at beaches in Southern California, which have seen more shark activity recently. Previously in earlier decades, it was almost exclusively Northern California. Now we're seeing it more in Southern California. Yeah, so what are some of the reasons why we're seeing that change of more sharks in our area rather than Northern California? Um, well, the researchers are saying that shark populations had been suppressed for a long time, probably because a lot of uh, fishing, either deliberate fishing of the sharks or hunting of the sharks, or getting caught in bycatch, as, as bycatch in fishing nets for other species like tuna or swordfish. Um, and so since fishing regulations have been tightened up, that's reduced the risk of sharks getting inadvertently captured in nets. And in addition to that, the Marine Mammal Protection Act came into effect, and that allowed sea lion populations to recover. Um, so that provided a much greater food source for the adult sharks who rely on those for food. Mm-hmm. And your story also focused on the fact that many of the shark interactions have gone unnoticed because it's these smaller, kind of younger sharks that are more frequently kind of in the ocean at the same time as swimmers and surfers. How come we're learning about this just now? Um, well, they're not that easy to spot. Um, they go unnoticed because they don't really interact with people, and uh, they're not that easy to see in our waters, which are fairly turbid, not particularly clear. Um, oftentimes there's reefs that kind of obscure them. Um, and when you're close to the water as a swimmer or a surfer, you may not see them. Um, oftentimes you have to be a little bit higher up, perhaps on a stand-up stand paddleboard or in a boat to see the outline of the shark in the water. So that's part of why we haven't noticed them. Also probably because their numbers have been increasing. They may be more prevalent. We may have more sightings because there's more sharks. Um, and these are young sharks. This is an important distinction. Um, in Northern California and Central California, a lot of times the sharks they see and the sharks that are involved in attacks are adult white sharks, which can grow up to 20 feet long. These are huge, huge animals. Um, even ones that are not quite that big are still very powerful predators. These sharks are um, less than 10 feet long, which is still a big animal, but they do not eat mammals. They haven't graduated to that food source yet. They mostly live on stingrays and small fish, so that's what they're hunting for, and they're not really interested in people. They're kind of doing their own thing. Um, and from what the researchers said, they're pretty skittish. Um, they tend to startle and swim away most of the time if they come near a person. So that's probably why we haven't noticed them is because they're steering clear of us. They're focused on their own fishing and not on humans in the water. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes sense because I imagine taking down, you know, a, a, a sea mammal is a bit more of effort than eating stingrays or small fish. So kind of makes sense. You want to really have that advantage to kind of take the risk of trying to eat something that could fight back. Exactly. Yeah. As one of the researchers pointed out, these See, the marine mammals are very intelligent social animals that 
are very nimble and adept in the water. They're hard to catch. They're uh, pretty able to evade predators or fight back when they do. Um, so it takes sharks a while to learn to hunt them effectively. Um, he said they're not good at it to start with. It It's a learned skill, and, and the young sharks don't have it. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to just kind of basic safety, when it comes to avoiding sharks, so what's the 101? Uh, I'm from Nebraska, not from California, so more familiar with tornadoes than sharks. So what would you tell someone like me who doesn't have much experience with, uh, you know, this reality to stay safe when, you know, there's sightings or something like that? Well, definitely pay attention to um, the, the warnings when there are sightings. If there are signs posted at the beach, warning about sharks, be very cautious about going in the water if you decide to do so at all. Um, if the lifeguards are warning you, take that seriously. Um, so I know, especially with the surfing community, um, they're pretty hardcore about their sport and often want to um, be out there rain or shine and sharks and no sharks, but just, you know, if you are going in the water when there have been shark sightings, you need to be aware of that risk and be extra careful. Um, also, um, be aware of your surroundings. If something seems off or something doesn't seem normal, pay attention to it. Um, one of the things that the researchers mentioned, which we actually didn't have space to cover in the story, was that um, sometimes you will notice birds or marine mammals um, behaving in odd ways. You know, it, he, he said that surfers have described to him seals or sea lions trying to climb on their board. And that's not, you know, an act of friendship. That's a warning that that animal is trying to get away from something. Um, or if they seem to be fleeing something, pay attention to that. Um, they even have footage of a uh, a gull swimming away as a shark approach. So if you see animals behaving in a way that seems unnormal, abnormal, um, just consider that there might be going something going on that you're not seeing and, and take appropriate precautions and get out of the water. Mm-hmm. And uh, when it comes to all kinds of research, uh, it's not as fast-paced as news. So uh, what do we expect to hear more from the Shark Lab or is they kind of uh, – you know, in this multi-year program, like, is there anything new that you know that they're going to work on in the coming months? Um, this is, it's year one of a two-year study, so they're still working on this. Um, they have been communicating with lifeguards, so I think we may be getting some news, you know, in local uh, announce, announcements from our beaches and lifeguards if they are aware that there's shark activity because of this research and data they'll be letting the public know. So that's one thing we can keep our ears tuned for. Um, And then they'll be, as they get more information, they will be publishing what they know. I don't think they have a firm timeline for when they expect to get this, but what they hope to learn is what are the conditions that precipitate sharks' appearances on these beaches? Like what what causes beach um, aggregations of these sharks um, in, in our local areas, because those hotspots tend to move a little bit. There's certain places, including San Onofre in our area, that have been shark aggregation spots or hotspots. Um, but they shift to different spots on the coast over time, and they're trying to find out why do they go to a certain beach in certain years? Why do they show up there in numbers? Um, 
Is it water temperature? Is it prey availability? Are there things in the environment that we can use to predict when they're gonna show up? And even more importantly, because most of the time when they show up, they don't interact with us, what causes them to behave aggressively on the rare but very dangerous conditions when they do? Is that something humans are doing? Is it some environmental factor that's putting them in a more aggressive mode? So they're hoping to find that out and let us know and let public safety officials know to manage that. So I think over the next year, we should get more information about that as they get more data and analyze it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sounds like an incredible public service to know, hey, there's this year's kind of shark forecast of we think they're going to be here and here. So please be careful. Yeah, absolutely. I think that would be the kind of the gold standard would be to have a shark forecast that could tell us when the danger is higher. Mm -hmm. And finally, if I'm a reader or listener that has a question, what's the best way of getting hold of you? You can email me at deborah.brennan at sduniontribune.com and let me know your questions. And um, we can look into some of the questions that are uh, the most pressing and most common. Mm -hmm. And I'll make sure to include the email in the show notes as well for those listening on the podcast. All right, Deborah Brennan, thank you so much. Okay, thank you, Daniel. In other news, the U.S. Marines released the names of eight service members, including three from Southern California, who went missing during a training exercise off San Clemente Island last week. The seven Marines and one sailor are presumed dead. The search and rescue operation ended earlier Sunday. With the assistance of helicopters, ships, and boats, more than 1,000 square nautical miles were searched, but it was determined that there is little probability of successful rescue given the circumstances of the incident. The 26-ton amphibious assault vehicle, which sank in waters hundreds of feet deep, was beyond the reach of divers. The incident occurred when the craft carrying 15 Marines and one Navy sailor began taking on water around 5.45 p.m. Thursday. Efforts will now turn to finding and recovering the missing servicemen. The San Diego Union-Tribune is hosting a contest to create the best public service announcement to remind people to stop the spread of COVID-19. We're soliciting listeners like you to come up with the best PSA for print, digital, or video. The winner of this contest will get a grand prize of $2,500, and their PSA will be published in the UT in various formats. The winner will also have the opportunity to be a guest on Fox 5 San Diego's Morning News. You have until August 16th to submit, so don't wait. For more details, go to uniontrip.com slash stop the spread. Thank you for listening to the San Diego News Fix. Our San Diego Padres podcast, Hot Lava, is back. On today's episode, Kevin Acey and Jay Posner discuss the start of the series against the Los Angeles Dodgers. Look for it wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is made possible by subscribers to the San Diego Union-Tribune. As we live through this momentous time in history, the truth and facts matter. If you are not yet a subscriber, please go to uniontrib.com slash subscribe. Until next time.